Well, good afternoon, fellow constitutionalists. Welcome to episode 987 of the Dan Clement Show, the Christian political talk show. I'm your host, Dan Clements, your constitutional warrior fighting for your right just to be an American. It is April 19th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Remember, we're a hyphen-free, PC-free zone. God is still in control and he does love you. And remember 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade folks. I'm broadcasting from the Hemlock Studios here in the beautiful central Susquehanna Valley in the great Keystone State. And uh, we, I haven't broadcast in a long time. Uh, I am getting back around to trying to do so. And I'm also splitting up between videos and doing an actual podcast, just a straight podcast without stripping it off videos. I want to sort of separate those out uh, because I can do more podcasts than I can do videos because it's easier for me. Uh, in videos, I have to have everything organized and make it look spiffy, but on podcasts, uh, I don't have to do that. <laughs> I can uh, I can show you. I, you don't see the behind the scenes, and I can have screens up. I can lean in. I can sit back. I can actually kick my feet up if I want to. So uh, we're. I'm just trying to adjust my volumes there a little bit. So uh, our podcast, uh, if you go to thedanclemmonshow.com, you can get to our main podcast there and actually listen to that. Uh, we are on Castos, which I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to make a note here. I need to put the link to Castos is my, where I host all my, host and store all my podcasts. Now, I used to be on Blog Talk Radio for those of you who have been listening to the show for a long, long time. And uh, Blog Talk Radio, I had, whoa, buku bunches. Uh, right now, um, Castos is hosting 733 uh, podcasts. They weren't able to retrieve them all. Uh, some of them got lost over at Blog Talk Radio, and I have never had the time to go back into my archives and find out which ones to replace. Uh, so we just started off from there. I do know that I am I am on episode 987 of uh, the the podcast for the show. So I do know we're up that far. So we're on Castos, um, and just to refresh everybody's memory, I'm also on Stitcher. And these are all under the Dan Clement Show. And I'll put these in my um, show notes page over in the danclementshow.com, episode 987. So all you got to do is link on them if you're, if you're on something uh, as far as a, a podcast aggregator. Now, Castos has, since I stopped podcasting for a while because of my fibromyalgia, they are on Spotify now. So I set up a Spotify account. And they can go over, you can go over there and get it off there. Um, there's also SoundCloud out there uh, that I was told uh, to get on because that's a better podcast uh, aggregator than some of the other ones like Stitcher. And a lot of people are going over to uh, SoundCloud. I don't, I'm not there yet. I'm also on iTunes. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Twitter as uh, Dan Clements and also the Dan Clements Show. And I'm on Facebook as Dan Clements and also show page, show notes page. Uh, the Dan Clement Show. I'm on Gab uh, as the Dan Clement Show. And Gab has since, if you don't know, they've actually created something called Decenter. And it's the uh, comment section of the internet. And basically what Decenter is, if you go to a website and you're reading an article and you want to make a comment on it, there are a lot of uh, left-leaning progressive like Vox they don't allow comments on their articles anymore. Well, that's not the case if you have Dissenter. If you have Firefox on your computer or if you just go 
and look up Decenter and uh, open it up in a tab. Uh, you will find them. You can create a count, and all you got to do is put the URL in, and you can leave comments about it on the Internet. And I'm surprised Decenter hasn't been out that long, but there are a lot of articles that I comment on using Decenter that uh, a lot of other people are commenting on the same one. So I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised about that, especially when it comes to Vox. So Vox can't get away with uh, disseminating all their propaganda anymore without, without comments on it. And I've been told that there's a lot of these left-leaning websites out there that don't like dissenter. Because if they wanted comments on their um, shows or their web pages or whatever it is, there's some YouTube channels also that do not allow you to put comments out. And you can dissent on that. Uh, they have a hookup of using my Firefox. When I have Twitter up and I'm on Twitter, I can actually dissent a, a particular comment that someone makes, like Uncle Bernie or any of the other uh, Kamala Harris, any of those uh, very progressive left-leaning politicians that are running for president. I can actually share that on dissenter also. Uh, so it's not just, I, I don't just leave a message anymore on Twitter. I actually go over and leave messages on dissenter and Gab. Uh, Gab has been my new go-to account uh, cross between uh, Facebook and Twitter. And uh, I, I don't know if they're ever going to get to the full functionality like Facebook with uh, photo albums and stuff like that. Uh, I don't think that's their goal, but, uh, but it's definitely uh, a substitute, a real good substitute for Twitter. I can also share videos on uh, Gab. Uh, I also have a pro account over there so I can invite people over. Uh, so that's my go-to. And I'm also on Minds. I don't use Minds that much because there's a lot of uh, questionable things going on over there as far as risque uh, nude pictures of women and stuff like that. So I, and, and they're not doing anything about it. I try to block them out, and they don't stay blocked out for some reason. So I just I don't use Minds that much. I do like Twitter, though. If I mute somebody or block somebody on Twitter, they stayed blocked. Now, the day... Uh, I'm coming to you today because I'm really, uh, this, this Mueller report dropped yesterday. I've been going over it. I, I've read, I've lost track how many pages I've read. I haven't read the whole document. There's a lot of it in there that's very technical, legal, legalese in there that uh, you have to sort of decipher and go through. Uh, but I, there was two things that I went through and were actually looking for, and that's one reason I like Adobe Acrobat or Adobe Reader is I can put a search term up in there and I can find all the instances in the um, document of uh, collusion or obstruction of justice. Now I am, just to let everybody know, I am uh, preparing to do a video, a sort of rebuttal video of the Humanist Report uh, with uh, Mike Figueroa. And he's jumping, I mean, he is this, this dude is jumping up and down for joy because Vox put out an article that says, here you go, Congress, uh, House Representatives, here's your impeachment material, and 10 items on there. So I'm going to go over them later on. I've been, like I said, I've been reading through this document, taking notes, and it's just, uh, it's unbelievable how the left is so giddy about this. And honestly, and this is my own personal opinion with uh, Robert uh, Mueller, uh, or Mueller, however you want to pronounce his name, the only reason why he didn't definitively say either way about obstruction of justice 
is because he was counting the political cost of doing so. Can you imagine what would happen to him if he came out and said that Donald Trump is not guilty of collusion and is not guilty of any obstruction of justice? There, there would be such an uprising on the left against Mueller uh, that I'm not saying he was right in not stating that, but I do believe that he was counting the political cost of that. And that's something that you, you have to remember that politicians are all about that. Politicians are all about covering themselves. Um, Justice Roberts did in Obamacare when he changed that from uh, the uh, mandate saying, you know, it was a fine uh, that's actually in the law. And he changed it legislatively, unconstitutionally, saying it's not a fine, it's a tax. Because he counted, I'm, I know he counted the political cost of that because he was getting a lot of slack uh, and a lot of things hurled his way uh, about his stance or what should have been his constitutional stance on Obamacare. Uh, politicians do it all the time. Judges do it all the time. Absolutely. Uh, the Ninth Circus Court of Appeals out there and a lot of other liberal federal judges out there, they count the political cost. Uh, they know. And this is something that, that bugs me a lot, and we'll get into the report here, but I'm, I'm just going to ramble on here a little bit because I haven't done one of these podcasts in a long time. I've got to knock the cobwebs out. But they know that if it comes out in favor of the Republicans, or even if it goes against the Republicans, I should say, the Republicans aren't going to come out and riot and, and uh, just disrupt the public. They're... By and large, I mean, there might be small pockets, but by and large, they don't. They accept, they accept the way the things the way, uh, they accept things the way they are, and then they go, they go about working to change things for the better. Uh, progressive Democrats are just the opposite. If they think they've been wronged or they think some politico or judge has handed down a wrong decision, they will go to war, literally go to war over that. If a political pundit on a news network that they don't like says something they don't like, they will literally go to war with that pundit and their family at their house. We, we've seen it with Tucker. The latest one was Tucker, Tucker Carlson. We've seen in restaurants where people come in protesting or restaurants won't allow certain people to come in and eat because they don't agree with their political stances. And that's fine. But they have to pay the consequences for that. Some restaurants have gone out of business or their businesses have been hurt really bad. Uh, and I think what was the one with um, Sarah Sanders? Um, um, Red Rooster or something like that. And there was a news article not too long after that that they took a huge hit uh, on their bottom line because people started refusing not to go there. They refused not, they just quit because of that. So there is a long history uh, on the liberal left that they will literally go to war over these things. And again, I think uh, Robert Mueller was just calculating the, the political fallout over this, especially for the obstruction to justice. A lot of, uh, Mike Figueroa says, I never bought the collusion. And I bet you, and I haven't done so, uh, and I actually, at some of his earlier videos when it first started a couple years ago, 
I believe he was talking about collusion. I could be wrong, but I believe he was talking about collusion. I'm not, I'm not going to go back and research it. Uh, a lot of progressives that had his same ideology definitely were talking about collusion. And I, I was reading, like I said, I was reading the report, and we'll go over this a little bit. Um, the, uh, now, now, if you know anything about PDFs, the actual page number at the top of the PDF, the page counter, is not the same page number as you see on the PDF. So a lot of these that, that I give you, uh, that I'm going to give you, are, I'll give you both. I'll give you the actual PDF page number, and then I'll give you like volume. One of the things we're going to look at is a, um, uh, the obstruction to justice. And in the introduction to volume two on page 78, we will see, you know, we'll see where they're talking about the obstruction to justice. And so we're going to go over this a little bit today in this PDF and talk about these at length uh, about uh, the collusion, the obstruction of justice. And the one thing that really struck me, and, and I just, I told, I told my wife, Lori, and she looked at me and she goes, when are these people going to wake up? And she's right. When are these people going to wake up to the fact that journalism today and what the Mueller report actually has in it about the journalists has nothing to do with investigations? CNN, a couple of their show hosts actually said, we're journalists, we're not investigators. So they don't, they, they've actually admitted they don't care about getting the story right. They just, they don't. And so since they don't care about getting the story right, they don't investigate to see if they should be actually saying what they're saying or printing what they're printing, depending on your, on the press and, or posting what they're posting at the different news sites. They're not investigating it at all. And that's a shame because journalism used to be that way. Journalism used to be, part of journalism used to be investigating. To look in to see, not just reporting on, you know, going to the county fair and, and reporting on who has the biggest pumpkin and stuff like that. There's little investigation there. But I'm talking about Bernstein and, and Holder, I think it was. In uh, the president's men, you know, back in Nixon's time, they actually did some groundwork and in investigating in that. And, and reporters used to do that. The, uh, the movie The Post with, um, oh, uh, Tom Hanks and uh, Marilyn Street, you know, talking about the, the Rand Corporation and the Vietnam Papers that, uh, that were leaked. And that, that whole situation there, they actually investigated a lot of that to see whether, you know, what was being said was, was true. And the part of that investigation was going through the papers and finding out what was being said in these, these classified documents. So, like I said, it used to be, they used to investigate, but they, they absolutely do not anymore. All right. The sponsor of the show today, and they're an affiliate is Castos. And if you go over to danclemmashow.com, you'll see about halfway down the page the big my link to Castos. Now, they're a podcast hoster. They integrate well with WordPress. This is what I use for my website. They have a wonderful uh, integrated player. Uh, they have simple downloads. And you can either go to Castos and download it, or you can go to danclemmashow.com and download it straight from there or listen to it on there. But Castos is only $15 a month to store its unlimited storage. 
uh, for your podcast. And podcasts really don't take up that much space, and that's why they offer that to you. So uh, it's unlimited storage. They do a fantastic job. I've had to call them a couple times with some issues. And uh, my last issue I had was, for some reason, my Audacity was saving my podcast in the wrong format, about six or seven of them. And I didn't catch it. And I was wondering why it wasn't working. And I got a hold of them. And they said, well, it's showing MP2, not MP3. And they said, it looks like it's encoded that way. And I'm like, man, what's going on here? Well, the guy stayed on the phone with me. And he says, check. He said, what do you record with? And I told him. And he said, well, go check your Audacity. The guy, the, the guy I was working with knew exactly where to look. And I checked out Audacity. Sure enough, somehow the setting got changed uh, during an update. And, and I keep forgetting to check to make sure after an update that my settings are clear. So Castos really helped me out of this. So they're, they're my uh, go-to as far as storing my podcasts. And they're, they're, like I said, they're integrated with um, not only Spotify, but they're integrated with um, uh, WordPress. And I have a WordPress site. And it's, it's, I can't say enough good things about it. These guys work real hard over there at what they do, at what they do. Okay, now let's get into the Mueller report a little bit. The first thing I did uh, was I, I went to the section last night and started reading about collusion. And that's where it was real funny that uh, they were actually taking what CNN, MSNBC, NBC, CBS, uh, other news outlets, very liberal progressive news outlets, and they were talking, they were actually quoting them and looking at them as credible sources and then looking at President Trump's response to them. And if you've done it, if anybody's ever done any investigating throughout this whole thing, you, you know that CNN, I'm going to pick on CNN the most, CNN is one of the most quoted when it comes to uh, being against President Trump and his presidency and his administration. They're the most quoted. But they are also the most mistrusted, or, you know, they're not trusted. They've been, they've been found to lie, fabricate, and make up things. They've been caught so many times. I have libertarian friends that still use CNN as a news source. And maybe I shouldn't have this attitude as a commentator, but I can't go over there. I just can't go over to CNN and read anything off CNN. Uh, my time's too valuable. It really is. Just like when I see these videos by Mike Figueroa over on the Humanist Report and uh, another one I follow, Secular Talk, it takes me a long time to actually dig in and do some investigating to see if what they're saying is actually true. Now, they put it out as being true, but more times than not, especially when you use a source like Fox, it's not true. Vox, Vox has gotten more stories wrong than you can shake a stick at. Uh, louder with Crowder. Uh, talks about them all the time. There's other, there's other videos I've watched where they really... Uh, show how bad Vox really is. V-O-X is, is what it is. And there's another news source, a friend of mine, uh, Dave, Dave from the Navy, uh, he turned me on to, it's called The Intercept. But even from the beginning on The Intercept, I've, I've had to do way too much investigating on my own because things didn't read right. So I had to do some investigating and I had to go through and and uh, try to find other articles on it and actually try to go through and get some information 
on things. Uh, and, and I also, and I also get asked about this too, when I tell people, you know, through my investigation, this isn't so, and they're like, well, cite your sources. Well, I can't cite my sources because they're most of them are emails. I'll actually email people to try to get a response. I don't always get a response. Uh, sometimes I'll, uh, I'll email the, um, uh, writer of the article and ask them, you know, for, you know, th obviously they won't give me their sources, but, you know, sort of point me in the right direction on where they got their information from. And then I can go from there with emails and stuff like that, you know, as far as new other news organizations where they might be. Sometimes they do tell me, hey, th it's this reporter here that did some research on it. Uh, they might be able to help you out here, so I'll email them. So I'm not I'm not going to share my personal emails or my personal correspondence with people on the internet. I don't want them. One, I don't want them getting my emails, uh, getting hacked and everything. And two, it's it's none of their business. And three, they can do it themselves. They, you know, you can't. I don't think you can just rely on the internet. I think emails and phone calls are still the way to go. I, I did some uh, when when I um, interview folks. I try to just I try to do some investigating. I do emails uh, with them, their assistants, and some other folks that might know them uh, to get me a better perspective on these folks. So I don't just rely on that. So you know, the, like Vox, I'll take Vox with a grain of salt. But what I'm saying is, I have to do a lot of investigating uh, to uh, just it's it's amazing to me how much investigating I actually have to do. Uh, and the one, let me, let me put this first one out here real quick. And this is a big one. This is a huge one. Um, let's see here. Let me get back up on. It's actually page volume two, page 78, but it's, it's page 290 on the PDF talking about, and this is evidence. Now they're saying this is evidence of obstruction of justice. Okay, the appointment of the special counsel, the president's and the president's reaction. Now, what's going to happen here is a lot of times the and Mike Figueroa did this. He didn't put the whole the whole quote in. He took part of the quote and ended it on Mesa. And I'm just going to read this to you so you don't have to go look it up. But please, I would encourage you to go download this. I'll actually put a download link in the show notes so you can just go there and get it. Like I said, this is page volume two, page seventy-eight of the Mueller report. It's page two ninety on the on the PDF. Um, on May seventeenth, two thousand seventeen, Acting Attorney General Rosenstein appointed Robert S. Mueller III as special counsel and authorized him to conduct the Russia investigation and matters that arose from the investigation. The president learned of the special counsel's appointment from Sessions, who was with the president, Hunt and McGahn, conducting interviews for a new FBI director. Sessions stepped out of the Oval Office to take a call from Rosenstein, who told him about the special counsel appointment, and Sessions then returned to inform the president of the news. According to the notes written by Hunt, uh, she was in, in there with him, when Sessions told the president that a special counsel had been appointed, the president slumped back in his chair and said, oh my God, this is terrible. This is the end of my presidency, and I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. <coughs> the president became angry and lambasted the attorney general for his decision to, res 
recuse himself from the investigation stating, how could you let this happen, Jeff? The president said that the position of attorney general was his most important appointment and that Sessions had let him down, contrasting him to Eric Holder and Robert Kennedy. Sessions recalled that the president said to him, you were supposed to protect me or words to that effect. Okay, now this, Jeff Sessions, I think his, his memory is spotty. I, I really do because I watched his testimonies and um, he has a decent memory, but it's not where it should be. And it really isn't. So he, he talks about you were supposed to protect me or words to that effect. That's what Sessions recalled. The president returned to the consequences of the appointment and said, everyone tells me if you get one of these independent councils, it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years, and I will not be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And there's a bunch of footnotes uh, going on, you know, where they got, it, got all the information and everything. The president then told Sessions he should resign as attorney general. Sessions agreed to submit his resignation and left the Oval Office. Hicks saw the president shortly after Sessions departed and described the president as being extremely upset by the special counsel's appointment. Hicks said that uh, she had only seen the president like this one other time when the a Access Hollywood tape came out during the campaign. Now, the next day, May 18, 2017, FBI agents delivered to McGahn a, a um, preservation notice that discussed an investigation related to Comey's termination and directed the White House to preserve all relevant documents. When he received the lever, letter, McGahn issued a document hold to the White House staff and instructed them not to send out any burn bags over the weekend while he sorted things out. Now, it goes on, uh, it keeps going on down through the whole thing, but what I want to get back to is on page 78. They stopped at, oh my God, this is terrible, this will end my presidency, I'm, and you put your words in there, I'm, you know, it's a, it's a expletive that they put in there, I'm surprised to even put that in the document, but anyway, uh, but then he goes on to, you know, they sort of put some interaction in between there, and then it gets down to the last line on the last couple sentences on that. The president returned to the consequences of the appointment and said, everyone tells me if you get one of these independent councils, it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years, and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And he's right. People were telling him, if you get a special council, it does ruin your presidency. It takes away your momentum. And it's not saying and at the time he said that, and I'd probably say the same thing if I was in his, in his shoes, but the president has gotten a lot of things done in spite of the special counsel. He has. And I think that just goes back to how he operates, how he works. Uh, he doesn't let obstacles get in his way. He, he's a guy that either goes through them, around them, over them, or under them. But he gets past them somehow, some way. All right? So that's what you're dealing with. That's what you're dealing with in the liberal media. And that's what you're dealing with, like with uh, the Humanist Report. They only give you part of what the president said. It doesn't go on to say, tell, or tell you the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say. And if you add them last couple sentences, it really, it, it makes sense that he would feel the way up there that his, this, this is the end of my presidency. 
Now they'll take Mike takes that as he he he's a corrupt businessman and he knows he's been caught, so I'm out the door. That's not what he was saying at all. And and that's how they twist things around. Now, let's get back into this obstruction of justice. The one thing I like about uh, Adobe Reader or Adobe Acrobat, whatever you want to call it, um, which I wish uh, my laptop that I do most of my reading on down in the living room in my um, recliner, that, do, that does not have Adobe Reader on it. Matter of fact, Adobe quit updating Reader for Linux back in 2011 or 2012, and the one you get on there is very, very buggy. Now, I do have PDF readers on my Linux, but they're very limited in what they can do. I cannot copy and paste. I can't copy text out of the PDF and paste it to a Word document uh, like I do sometimes to put, like I'm going to do, let's say for the show notes page, just to give you a little flavor of what's in there. And uh, they they do have a search engine on them, but they're not. it's not as good as um, Adobe. Adobe's really done their, their homework on searching words and stuff. So I typed in the term obstruction of justice. Now this is on on PDF page 213. It's on volume two, introduction to volume two it says here. And that would be page one of volume two. He said, and this, I'm just gonna read uh, the, the two paragraphs on this page. First, a traditional prosecution or uh, declination decision entails a binary determination to initiate or decline a prosecution, but we determine not to make a traditional prosecu a prosecutorial judgment. They're okay with making all these other indictments and judgments throughout this whole document, but when it comes to instruction of justice, again, I believe this is Mueller and, and his team, political cover. I can't help I can't help but go there. I can't help but think that and go there, okay? The Office of Legal Counsel, OLC, has issued an opinion finding that the indictment or criminal prosecution of a sitting president would uh, impermissibly undermine the capacity of the executive branch to perform its constitutionally assigned functions in violation of the constitutional separation of powers. Given the role of special counsel as an attorney in the Department of Justice and the framework of the special counsel regulations, and it gives the um, 28 USC and it goes on, it tells you what the standards are. Um, this office accepted OLC's legal conclusion for the purpose of exercising prosecutor prosecutorial jurisdiction. And apart from OLC's constitutional view, we recognize that a federal criminal accusation against a sitting president would place burdens on the president's capacity to govern and potentially preempt constitutional procedures for addressing presidential misconduct. Second, while the OLC opinion concludes that a sitting president <clears throat> excuse me, may not be prosecuted, it recognizes that a criminal investigation during the president's term is, is permissible, and it is. Because, you know, we're talking about uh, in order to prosecute the president, it had to come under the terms of impeachment. Okay, that's just, that's Constitutional 101. The OLC opinion also recognizes that a president does not have immunity after he leaves office. And if individuals other than the president committed the obstruction offenses, they may be prosecuted at this time. Given these considerations, the facts known to us and the strong public interest in safeguarding the integrity of the criminal justice system, we conducted a thorough 
factual investigation in order to preserve the evidence when memories were fresh and documentary materials were available. Third, we considered whether to evaluate the conduct we investigated under the Justice Manual's uh, standards governing prosecution and declination decisions, but we determined not to apply an approach that could potentially result in a judgment that the president committed crimes. The threshold step under the Justice Manual standards is to assess whether a person's conducted uh, conduct con uh, constitutes a federal offense. U.S. Department of Justice, Justice Manual, it goes and gives you that. Fairness concerns counseled against potentially reaching that judgment when no charges can be brought. Uh, the, the ordinary means for an individual to respond to an accusation is through a speedy and public trial with all the procedural protections that surround a criminal case. An individual who believes he was wrongly accused can use the process to seek to clear his name. In contrast, a prosecutor's judgment that crimes were committed but no charges will be brought affords no such adversarial opportunity for public name-clearing before an impartial adjudicator. The concerns about the fairness of such a determination would be highlighted in the case of a sitting president, where federal prosecutors', prosecutors accusation of a crime, even in an internal report, could carry consequences that extend beyond the realm of criminal justice. OLC noted similar concerns about sealed indictments. Even if an indictment were sealed during the president's term, OLC reasons it would be very difficult to preserve an indictment secrecy, and if an indictment became public, the stigma and uh, op opprobrium could imperil the president's ability to govern. Although the prosecutor's internal report would not represent a formal public accusation akin to an indictment, the possibility of the report's public disclosure and the absence of a neutral uh, adjudicatory uh, forum adjudicatory, excuse me, forum to review its findings counsels against or counsel against potentiality, determining that the person's conduct consists of a federal offense. And it keeps going on talking about this. Okay. And that's he's just laying the groundwork for the obstruction of justice. Okay. Um this report, well I'll go through the fourth one that they're talking about here. Fourth, if we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Based on the facts and the acceptable or applicable legal standards, however, we are unable to reach that judgment. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that prevent us from conclusively determining that no criminal conduct occurred. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. And if you read the four-page bar summary, that was actually in the summary. Uh, this report on our investigation consists of four parts. Section 1 provides an overview of obstruction of justice, principles and summaries, certain investigatory and evidentiary considerations. Section 2 sets forth the factual results of the obstruction investigation and analyzes the evidence. And Section 3 addresses the statutory and constitutional defenses. And Section 4 states our conclusion. Which, like, again, they, they if you go back up to the paragraph before, accordingly, while the report does not conclude that the president committed a crime, 
It also does not exonerate him. And this is the part I have a problem with. They spent two years, two years on this investigation, and they come up with this. I'm sorry, this is garbage. Either he committed obstruction of justice or he didn't. And to leave it up to an impeachment trial, I think I, I think Mueller, the special prosecutor, the whole thing, I, I think he ab abdicated his authority. Because he indicted everybody else, and he can say in his report whether he believed that obstruction of justice actually happened. I mean, I, I haven't gone through the whole Vox article. i got to go through that to set up a video that I'm going to try to do tomorrow. Uh, and get it out, but uh, I'm telling, I'm telling you, folks, this wasn't convicted of no evidence of collusion. They came back with, and in my mind, this is what this is what they're investigating. Now, what they'll tell you, I've been getting comments on Twitter. I watched this video. What they'll tell you, well, he's a corrupt businessman, so of course there's going to be corruption in his presidency, and that has to play into this obstruction of justice. One has nothing to do with the other, honestly. Whether he's a corrupt businessman or not doesn't have to anything to do with this collusion. If you try to enter that into a trial, a good defense attorney will get it will get it squashed right then and there. They will not allow. I mean, either they'll have a sidebar if the prosecutors try, you know, try to get that put into evidence his business dealings or the judge will stop the trial right there and get, get both the prosecutor and the defense attorney into his chambers, and they're going to hash it out in the chambers. Because usually they don't let... Nothing about this so far that I've read had anything to do with his finances other than possible business dealings in Moscow, and, and all that was was a hotel they're trying to put in Moscow itself, you know, business dealings in Russia. And that was in the, you know, that was in the course of... Uh, uh, normal business for Donald Trump and his real estate empire. And they're trying to tie that in there, but they're, again, there was no collusion found. So if there was no collusion found, then you could not, and if there's, if there's a lawyer out there listening to me, uh, please leave comments on this, you know, after I post the show up, leave comments on this. But I'm pretty sure that, a, a good defense attorney would not allow this into evidence as far as his business dealings into evidence. So that's what they're addressing during this whole thing. Now, let me go on down here. Uh, now, here's an executive summary of Volume 2. Our obstruction of justice inquiry um, focused on a series of actions by the president that related to the Russian interference investigations, including the president's conduct towards law enforcement officials overseeing the investigation and the witnesses to relevant events. Now, this is found on PDF page 215, and the actual, uh, it's volume 2, page 3. Um, it talks about, uh, it goes through and talks about the campaign's response to reports about Russian, Russian support for Trump. Uh, and, it, and again, it's going to get into uh, some news items here. It says during the 2016 presidential election, questions arose about the Russian government's apparent support for the can for candidate Trump after WikiLeaks released politically damaging uh, Democratic Party emails that were reported to have been hacked by Russia. 
Trump publicly expressed skepticism that Russia was responsible for the hacks at the time, uh, that he and other campaign officials privately sought information, uh, and that little part there was uh, redacted, about any further planned WikiLeaks releases. Now, I'm, if you remember back when this all started, one of the things that came out about the DNC server being hacked was uh, most intelligence agencies can hack a computer and make it look like somebody else did it and do such a good job it's hard to find out if they did or didn't. And this, this accusation was brought up with the Russian hacks in the DNC. The other thing was, if you remember, uh, you might be stretching your memory a little bit, if, but if you go back and remember during 2015 to 2016 and run up to the election, Hillary Clinton did not like Russia. And Hillary Clinton was insinuating, indicated that she would go to war with Russia. Okay? That's a problem. That's a huge problem. And if I was Russia and had a politician saying, well, we're just we're going to go to war with you, I wouldn't want that politician to be president either. I'd want someone that might be a little bit more amenable, friendly. But I don't think, again, there was no collusion proven at all. And if there was no collusion proven, then there's no, there cannot be obstruction of justice. Now, some will argue, well, that's why there was no collusion proven because President Trump obstructs justice. But again, if you read through that, a lot of that is just, it's, it's ridiculous, especially the sources that are coming out in the Mueller report about the news agencies that they're citing. Okay. Um, another heading here, conduct involving FBI Director Comey and Michael Flynn. Uh, in mid-January uh, 2017, incoming National Security Advisor Michael Flynn falsely denied to the vice president, other administration officials, and FBI agents that he talked to Russian Ambassador Sergei uh, Kizilak uh, about Russians' response to U.S. sanctions on Russia for the election interference. On January 27th, the day after the president was told that Flynn had lied to the vice president and had made similar statements to the FBI, the president invited FBI Director Comey for a private dinner at the White House and told Comey he needed loyalty. On February 14th, the day after the president requested Flynn's resignation, the president told an outside advisor, now, now that we fired Flynn, the Russian thing is over. The advisor disagreed and said the investigation would continue. Okay. Later that afternoon, the president cleared the Oval Office to have a one-on-one -on -one meeting with Comey, referring to the FBI's investigation of Flynn. The president said, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, letting Flynn go. He's a good guy. I hope, he can, I hope you can let this go. Shortly after requesting Flynn's resignation and speaking privately to Comey, the president sought to have Deputy National Security Advisor K.T. McFarland draft an internal letter stating that the president had not directed Flynn to discuss sanctions with Kizilak. And McFarland uh, declined because she did not know whether that was true, and the White House Counsel's Office Attorney thought that the request would look like a quid pro pro for an ambassadorship she had been offered. And I, and I, so I haven't read Fox or Vox the Vox article, but I'm I'm pretty sure they're going to include that in their article. Well, this is impeachable offense, and I think Trump's advisors were right. To, 
to bringing back from the edge on that. Now, just because Trump, President Trump said or wanted this to happen and it didn't, doesn't mean he colluded. I mean, how many times do you have ideas or thoughts in your head that you do not act on each and every day, whether they're criminal or not? Just because you think something doesn't mean it actually happened or it's going to happen. And it's obvious here this didn't happen. Okay? And it goes on and talks about the president's reaction to the Russian investigation and, and the president's uh, termination of Comey, which that, that right there, that should have happened like day one. One of the first things President Trump should have done when he became president was fire him. First handling of the Hillary email uh, servers and and other things like that. Just it was that was a, a bizarre circus that went on uh, during the campaign. It, it really was. And so he should have he should have fired him first thing. I mean he should have been out. You know just all he, all I had to do was say, hey, look, I want your resignation on my desk uh, forthwith immediately. Doesn't have to give him a reason. I don't like your haircut. You're too tall. Whatever it is. He should have done it then, and there wouldn't have been an issue going clear, you know, clear to May 3rd, 2017, you know, going, you know, a month or two. And it just keeps going on there. Now, the let me get to the, uh, the next obstruction to justice is um, talking about, this is page 219 of the PDF. I'm not going to go through the whole PDF. I'm just going to go through certain things. Page 7 of Volume 2, okay? It says, Several facets of the conduct we investigated distinguished it form or from typical obstruction of justice cases. First, the investigation concerned the president and some of his actions, such as firing the FBI director, involved uh, factually uh, lawful acts within his Article 2 authority, which arises, which raises constitutional issues discussed below. At the same time, the president's position at the, as the head of the executive branch provides him with unique and powerful means of influencing official obstruction of justice analysis. Second, unlike cases in which a subject engages in obstruction of justice to cover up a crime, the evidence we obtained did not establish that the president was involved in an underlying crime related to the Russian election interference. Drop the mic, boom. Okay, right there. Although the obstruction statutes do not require proof of such crime, the absence of that evidence affects the analysis of the president's intent and requires consideration of other possible motives for his conduct. Third, many of the president's acts directed at witnesses, including discouragement of cooperation with the government and suggestions of possible future pardons, took place in public view. That circumstance is unusual, but no principle of law excludes public acts from the reach of the obstruction laws. It is like if the likely effect of public acts is to influence witnesses and alter their testimony, the harm to the justice system integrity is the same. I had to grab a quick drink there. <clears throat> I haven't done this much talking in a long time. Now, I don't recall I don't recall the suggestions of possible future pardons took place in public view. I don't recall the president doing this. I remember a lot of pundits doing this. 
I don't remember. And and, and I, I'm going to read down three or some more just to make sure, you know, what evidence they had. But I don't recall the president actually doing this. You know, suggestions of possible future pardons took place in public view. Now, if one of his underlings did it, were they doing it at his behest or were they just or were they just speaking out loud? Well, he could do this. He could pardon them, um, you know, future pardons or, you know, whatever. But I don't recall that that happened. As a matter of fact, they're talking about, uh, they said, many of the president's acts directed at witnesses, including discouragement and cooperation with the government, suggestions of possible future pardons took place in public view. But they don't, they don't give a time and date for that. Now, like I said, they might, they might do so on the way down through here. Although the series of events we investigated involved discrete acts, the overall pattern of the president's conduct towards the investigation can shed light on the nature of the president's acts and the influences that can be drawn from his intent. Now, let me say this one thing, and this, this was brought out pretty clearly, I think, in the Kavanaugh hearings. Kavanaugh did nothing wrong. That was a base, baseless accusation by Professor uh, Blasey Ford. She had no proof it happened. The witnesses that she said saw this happen said it didn't happen. Um, matter of fact, the date she said it happened, Kavanaugh had calendars. He was enough of a nerd and a geek back then. He was like, and he sort of followed his dad. He kept calendars. He wasn't even there. So the whole thing, the whole Kavanaugh thing, it wasn't even there. All right. And he's and he got mad. He said, he said, you're trying to ruin my life. You're trying to ruin my credibility, the, the, the legacy I built up for myself with these baseless accusations. I didn't do it. And he got mad. And all oh, if you remember in the Kavanaugh hearings, the, the political pundits out there were just going nuts. How dare he get mad? Well, I tell you what, you accuse me of something I didn't do, and you're not giving me any proof that I did it, and you keep harping on I did do it, I'm going to get a little upset too. I, I think Kavanaugh was pretty uh, tame, compared honestly, compared to what I would be doing. And the, the, president's, the president is no different. The president knew he didn't collude, and if he, and if he is talking out, as, like I said here, Although a series of events we investigate involved discrete acts, the overall pattern of the president's conduct towards the investigation, which he spoke out against the investigation, maybe he shouldn't have, but he did. That's just the, that's just who he is. Can shed light on the nature's president's the nature of the president's acts and interference that can be drawn about his intent. Again, you can think something, you can say something, but if you don't follow through on it, how can it be obstruction of justice? Said. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but I, I'm just trying to use a little common sense here. A little common sense what I think is lacking in this whole thing. So it, it, it keeps on going down about that. And again, I encourage you to go through and type in the word collusion and then, then read all about that and then go through and type in obstruction of justice and read every instance where that's at. And like I said, we're going to keep going through here. Um, Statutory and constitutional defenses. The President's counsel raised a statutory and constitutional defense to the possible obstruction of justice analysis of the conduct we investigated. 
We concluded that none of those legal defenses provided a basis for declining to investigate the facts. Now, see, this is, this is where I think the special counsel falls down on. This is where I think this whole thing falls apart. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just reading this, and it just it throws up some red flags. The president's counsel raised statutory and constitutional defenses to possible obstruction of justice analysis that was conducted of the conduct we investigated. Now, special counsel is, as far as I know, is under no obligation to take any advice from a president's defense counsel. None. Now, again, the firing Comey, um, Obama should have let him, Obama should have fired him for his handling of, of the, uh, saying he wasn't going to investigate her emails and came back. It just, it was a, you remember that circus that happened. I mean, President Obama had every right and should have, uh, but he was a coward. President Obama's a coward when it comes to firing Comey. He'd rather let that go into President Trump's presidency, and I think, I think that was a calculated move on his on, on his behalf. Of course, that wasn't investigated. So Comey was out not too long after President Trump became president. And everybody's like, oh, that's obstruction of justice. Um, Comey wasn't. <laughs> Comey was the head of the FBI. Comey was not the one doing the, the investigating. He was the head of the FBI. He has people below him that actually does the investigating. Firing Comey didn't stop anything. Didn't, didn't stop any investigations at all. So on its face, anything in this, in this talking about the firing of Comey as being a possible obstruction to justice, you just got to throw it out, in my opinion. Now, now, if President Trump went through and started saying, I want this guy, this girl, this guy, this girl, this guy, this girl, that were actually investigating collusion, investigating obstruction to justice, and, and actually told the director, I want them out, that's different. And President Trump didn't do that as far as I know. Didn't do that at all. Let's keep going here. Constitutional defenses. For a constitutional defense arising from the president's status as the head of the executive branch, we recognize the Department of Justice and the courts have not definitively resolved these issues. We therefore examine these issues through the framework established by Supreme Court precedent I hate that word, folks. Governing separation of power issues. The Department of Justice and the President's personal counsel have recognized that the President is subject to statutes that prohibit obstruction of justice by bribing a witness or suborning perjury because the conduct does not implicate his or yeah does not uh, implicate his constitutional authority. Well, duh. Even the president cannot bribe a witness or suborn, uh, suborn perjury of a witness. And the statutes don't prohibit the obstruction of justice in that case. To me, that's a, well, duh. With respect to whatever, the president ha can be found to have obstructed justice by exercising his power under ex uh, Article 2 of the Constitution. We conclude that Congress has authority to prohibit a president's corrupt use of the authority in order to protect the integrity of the administration of justice. Now, I'm going to interject something here real quick. 
One of the things that our progressive friends fail to make mention, and I've, I've listened to a lot of it today, yesterday and today, or last night and today, is the president could have invoked presidential privilege. It's his right. Um, Obama did it. Clinton did it. I think um, Bush did it on a couple of occasions. I know President Reagan did it. But he hasn't. And to me, that's very telling. President Trump could have said or exercised executive privilege in all this, and they would be nowhere. And, and executive privilege does not only extend just to the president, but to those around him as immediate you know, worker bees as they were. And he hasn't. He's never invoked it. He's like, let the chips fall where they may. So, again, I don't know why this is in here. Other, and if somebody doesn't know this, that even the president is prohibited from obstructing justice by bribing a witness or suborning perjury, well, to me, that's a no-brainer. Okay? Under acceptable Supreme Court precedent, again, this is on page 2, is it 220? Yeah, page 220 of the PDF, uh, and this is on page 8. I'm going to read the rest. Of this. It's a long, two more paragraphs. This one's long. Under applicable Supreme Court president, the Constitution does not categorically and permanently immunize, immunize a president for obstructing justice through the use of his Article II powers. The separation of powers doctrine authorizes Congress to protect official proceedings, including those of courts and grand juries, from corrupt, obstructive acts regardless of their source. We also conclude that any inroad on presidential authority that would occur from prohibiting corrupt acts does not undermine the president's ability to fulfill his constitutional mission. The term corruptly sets a demanding standard. It requires a concrete showing that a person acted with an intent to obtain an improper advantage for himself or someone else inconsistent with official duties and the rights of others. A preclusion of corrupt official action does not diminish the president's ability to exercise Article II powers. For example, the proper supervision of criminal law does not demand freedom from the president to act with a corrupt intention of shielding himself from criminal punishment, avoiding financial liability, or preventing personal embarrassment. To the contrary, the statute that prohibits official action undertaken for such corrupt purposes furthers rather than hinders the impartial and even-handed administration of law. It also aligns with the president's constitutional duty to faithfully execute the laws. Finally, we conclude that in, in the rare case in which a criminal investigation of the president's conduct is justified, inquiries to determine whether the president acted for a corrupt motive should not Im impermissibly chill his performance of his constitutionally assigned duties. The conclusion that Congress may apply the obstruction of laws to the president's corrupt exercise of powers of office accord, accords with our constitutional system of checks and balances, the principles that no one person is above the law. The conclusion of this, because we determined not to make a traditional prosecutorial judgment, we did not draw ultimate conclusions about the president's conduct. The evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intent presents difficult issues that we would need to be in resolved if we were making a traditional prosecutorial judgment. At the same time, 
we had confidence after a thorough investigation of the facts that the president clearly did not commit obstruction of justice, we would so state. Based on facts and applicable legal standards, we are unable to reach that judgment. Accordingly, while this report does not conclude the president committed a crime, it also does not exonerate him. And again, I keep going back to this fact that the evidence we obtained about the president's actions and intents presents difficult issues that would need to be resolved if we were making a traditional prosecutorial judgment. Folks, if they found something, if they found something on President Trump as far as obstruction of justice, it's clear what they need to do. It's clear in the Constitution what they need to do. They need to turn that over to Congress for possible impeachment trial. The Constitution is very clear on this. The fact of the matter that they left it this way, again, Mueller is a political coward as far as I'm concerned. Those that put this report together on his team are political cowards as far as I'm concerned. If they had evidence of it, they, they rightfully, constitutionally, should have turned that over to the Judiciary Committee in the House and let them take it from there. The fact that they didn't do that, for me anyway, is very telling. And if you've listened to the show any amount of time, you know I'm not a Republican. You know I didn't vote for President Trump. I do get after him when he does things wrong. Uh, and if you follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Gab, you'll definitely see that if he does something wrong, I don't agree with his foreign policies. I don't agree with sanctions. I don't, I don't agree... I don't know why Bolton's back in there, but that's another story there. There's a lot of things I disagree with on President Trump. This here is one thing I, I, I don't disagree with him on. This, this thing about intent. The president's action and intents. I can intend to do something if I don't do it. Am I guilty just because I intended to do it? I didn't actually go through with it. I may have thought about doing it. I may have even talked to some of my confidants in the, in the executive branch about doing it. But if it didn't happen, and this is what, like I said, this is what the left is zeroing in on. Well, he intended to do it. That means he's guilty. No, it, it doesn't. I'm sorry. I can intend to do something all day long if I don't carry it out. Now, there are certain situations, you know, you, you cannot threaten somebody with bodily violence or death. You know, there, there are certain aspects of the law, but we're not talking about that. We're just talking about obstruction of justice here, that, that he's going to thwart an investigation is what they're talking about here. And so far in my reading, this hasn't happened at all. It just, it, not at all. And, and to conclude that, accordingly, while the report does not conclude the president committed a crime, it does not exonerate him either. You can't have both. I'm sorry, you can't. This is an obfuscation, folks. It just—it's a bunch of hogwash. You can't have both. I'm sorry. It's—it's either—either you're—either you're pregnant or you're not. There is no in between. Either the president committed a crime, or he didn't. You can't say that uh, it concludes that the president does not conclude the president committed a crime, but it doesn't exonerate him. It—it. It, it, our judicial system should not work that way. A special investigation should not work this way. And I hope, 
I hope when Attorney General Barr goes after, which he's already setting up the, the investigation and uh, into the um, uh, GPS dossier, the Steele dossier, the, the guys that took it to the FISA court that lied to the judges, the four judges, I think there's four judges on a FISA court, but lied to the judges about the uh, uh, Steele dossier to get the investigation rolling into Russian collusion. All the talking heads out there, from Mother Jones to Yahoo News to, you know, all of them on the, of the progressive left media, uh, they should be investigated too. I know they're the media, but they need to be investigated. They perpetuated this lie for over two years. They perpetuated this. They need to be held accountable. Now, I don't know because of their, their quote-unquote journalists that this is possible, but folks, heads, are gonna, heads need to roll. And I think as citizens, we need to take this to heart and quit using these news sources. Just if, if you have them bookmarked on your computer, take the bookmarks out. The only way you're going you're gonna to hold some of these news sources to the quote-unquote grinding stone is if you quit watching them. CNN's already lost so much viewership. It's a wonder they're still on the air. It really is. Um, he goes on. I'm, I'm not going to read much more here. I'm just uh, going to give you some page number, PDF page number 221, uh, background, legal evidentiary procedures, legal framework for obstruction of justice. They go through uh, at, at nauseum uh, about, you know, what is it? Um, obstructive act and then uh, nexus to a pending or a complicated official proceeding. Uh, they just, they go, it just goes on and on. Uh, corruptly, the word corruptly provides uh, the intent element for obstruction of justice and means acting knowingly and dishonestly or with an improper motive. Okay. But again, it's, it talks about intent here, the intent element of acting knowingly and dishonestly. There's an acting component. If you don't act on your intent, it can't be um, obstruction of justice. Again, I'm not a lawyer, but I'm just reading through this and trying to apply some common sense to it, okay? Um, to act corruptly means an act with an improper purpose to engage in conduct knowingly and dishonestly with the specific intent to subvert, impede, and obstruct. Now, one of the things I said this earlier uh, PDF pages 227 through 235 talks about collusion. And a lot of that in there is President Trump's response to the media. His response to the media. And, and, and the progressives are trying to hold his feet to the fire to this. As far as I know, lying to the media or being dishonest with them is not a crime. It's not a crime at all. But progressives want to put it that way. Well, you can't lie to the media. Huh. They lie to us all the time. Why can't I lie to the media? I'm not saying that I would, personally, but there's no law against that. Um, it is well established that an obstruction of justice offense is complete 
when one corruptly endeavors to obstruct or impede the due administration of justice, the prosecution needs to prove that the due administration of justice was actually obstructed or impeded. And again, there's no evidence. If there's no evidence of collusion through all their investigation, how can, and President Trump hasn't uh, invoked executive privilege, <coughs> excuse me, um, how can there be obstruction of justice? There has to be an actual act. Um, again, if you go down through there, it's it, there's going to be a lot of, they're going to cite precedents, and uh, they're going down through on page uh, 227 of the PDF, uh, factual results of obstruction of justice. Um, he talks about we summarize the evidence we found and, and that, and then al- analyze it uh, by reference to the three statutory obstruction of justice elements, obstructive acts, nexus to a proceeding, and, and intent. Uh, we focus on elements because by regulation, special counsel has jurisdiction to investigate federal crimes committed in the course of and with intent to interfere with the special counsel's investigation, such as perjury, obstruction of justice, destruction of evidence, and intimidation of witnesses. Again, Intent also has to have an act. If you don't act on your intent, how can it be obstruction of justice? If if I if I was a president or President Trump has done this, he said to his staff that I wanted to do this, it was in, his intent to do that, but his staff members know we can't do that, and they rein him in, there is no obstruction of justice. That intent has to lead to an act. Has to lead to an act. Intent alone, unless you're you're saying you're going to cause bodily harm to somebody, blow something up, or kill somebody, is that has to be investigated because you're you're actually aggressing against somebody. You're actually aggressing against somebody. Um, see how long we've been going here. Whew, over an hour. I can't believe I've talked for an hour now. So he it goes on down through. It keeps it keeps going. Um, there's there's another little section here analysis in analyzing the president's reaction to Sessions' recusal and the request he made to coach Pompeo, Rogers, and Comey. The following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. Again, there the, uh, uh, an obstructive act. The evidence shows that after Comey's March 20, 2017 testimony, the the president re- repeatedly reached out to intelligence agency leaders to discuss the FBI's investigation. But witnesses had different rec- uh, recollections of the precise content of those outreach. I, and, you know, we, we went through all this, you know, if you follow some of the news I follow, like CNS News, One American News Network, and even Fox News, and some other Daily Caller, Daily Wire, things like that, they went over all this stuff. They And it wasn't an obstructive act. They were looking into it. But it wasn't an obstructive act, okay? Um, in analyzing the president's decision to fire Comey, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of just or obstruction of justice. The act of firing Comey removed the individual overseeing the FBI Russia investigation. The president knew that Comey was personally involved in the investigation based on Comey's briefing uh, of the Gang of Eight. Comey's March 20, 2017 public testimony about the investigation and President's one-on-one conversation with Comey. But it doesn't matter. Did the investigation stop? No. And firing Comey, was that an obstructive act? No. 
It didn't rise to that. And again, the only mistake I think President Trump made in not firing Comey, was not firing Comey day one. If he'd have fired Comey day one, now the progressives would have still hounded him about it, but and they still don't have, as my opinion, they don't have a leg to stand on. It did not stop or impede the investigation because Comey was not actually the one investigating it, and he had deputies that were there that could take over. What what happens if I'm just going to say this, and, and I don't want anything uh, bad to befall uh, Comey, but what happens if he'd have died on that day? I mean, just he had a heart attack and passed away. It would have the same effect, wouldn't it? As It would have the same effect as being fired. He wouldn't be there anymore. Somebody else would have to pick that up. The And I remember uh, they were talking about that the DOJ had things, in, uh, especially the FBI and other departments, under the auspices of the DOJ that take up this, that actually... They have steps in place, you know, who's going to take over if, if something happens. I mean, a president of a trucking company that bought out um, Camel Express, he had a massive heart attack while was out hunting, and it just, he just passed away. And the company had a plan in place in case one of their officers had passed away who would step up and take over that. And the board, the uh, owner of the company actually stepped down from his ownership, took back, you know, was uh, the CEO until they could find a replacement for him, which that replacement went on to shut the division down. I was in completely and I was out of a job. So, but that's another story. Um, the press reports that the president is being investigated for instruction to justice and the president directs the White House counsel to have a special counsel removed. Um, and, he, and they go through and they talk about this Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, which does not like Trump at all. And that's one of the one of the rags that I, I refuse to read uh, because I found too many stories that they got wrong. Too many one side. So the press reports that the president is being investigated. I don't care. Uh, it depends on what the which press it is. Uh, so there again, the Washington Post on uh, June 14th. 2017 published an article stating that the special counsel was investigating whether the president had attempted to obstruct justice. This was the uh, first public report that the president himself was under investigation by the special uh, counsel's office and cable news networks quickly picked up on the report. The post story stated the special counsel was interviewing intelligence community leaders, including Coates and Rogers uh, about the president, about what the president had asked him to do in response to Comey's March 20, 2017 testimony. Now, I'm going to stop it right there. The fact that these names came out during the investigation speaks volumes on what the investigation was leaking, in my opinion. Now, I know some of these guys came out after, the, you know, they talked to the special counsel, which they, they, they have every right to do, and come out and say the things they wanted to say, whether it was good or bad for Trump. Okay? And, again, it keeps going down through here and talks about more and more obstruction of justice. Um, in analyzing the president's direction to McGahn to have a special counsel removed, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. 
And this is one of these things, again, he didn't do. He, he directed McGann to do it, but we know that McGann and, and other, other folks in, in his immediate circle said you can't do it. We've got to let this thing play out. Now, there's been arguments that Jeff Sessions, if, if he was any type of a man, as far as I'm concerned, or any type of a, uh, maybe I shouldn't besmirch his manhood, but any type of attorney general worth his salt, uh, they don't, they wouldn't, he, he was under no obligation to um, have a special counsel appointed. None. The DOJ could have handled this whole thing. And that's that's what Trump thought. That that's and that's the way it should be handled. I, I, this this uh, special counsel stuff is is a bunch of garbage, as far as I'm concerned. And I, I didn't like it. Uh, the Star investigation. I didn't like it back then. One of the things that came out of the Star investigation, which progressives don't know about or don't seem to know about, is the uh, Section Six E of uh, the uh, federal code, uh, and I, I can't remember the first part of it, but it's sec- I remember Section 6E uh, with grand jury testimony. After the Star special counsel investigation into the Clintons, uh, they passed laws protecting grand jury testimony. Democrats did, with the help of Republicans. But it happened. And now everybody's crying about these redactions, but they're just following the law. I was watching a Russia Today report, and all this guy had about five or six pages of the report. And it was like a couple of them are full-page redactions. I haven't actually hit any of those yet. And he says, how are we ever, ever going to know what's going on here with this much redaction going on? Mike Figueroa of the, of the Humanist Report said the same thing. It's a heavily redacted document. Um, less than, it's been calculated less than 10% of the... 400-page report, which means about 40 pages altogether, are redacted. That's, was that a lot of pages? 40 pages, yeah. Out of 400 pages, no. Less than 10%, no. It's not heavily redacted. Heavily redacted, I've seen heavily redacted reports, and there's only about 10% that you can read. That's heavily redacted. Again, this was an intent that was never acted on was never acted on, okay? Um, Intent. This this gets to what I'm talking about. Substantial evidence indicates that the president's attempts to remove the special counsel were linked to the special counsel's oversight of the investigation that involved the president's conduct, and most immediately to reports that the president was being investigated for potential obstruction of justice. Before the president terminated Comey, the president considered it critically important that he was not under investigation and that public, and the public not erroneously think that he was being investigated. As described in Volume 2, Section 2D, uh, Supra, advisors perceived the president, the president while he was drafting the Comey termination letter to be conducted or concerned more than anything else about getting out that he was not personally under investigation. When the president learned of the appointment of the special counsel on May 17, 2017, he expressed further concern about the investigation, saying this ends my presidency. And we talked about that. 
We talked about that. Yeah, he, he was mad, upset, depressed about it. And he said, everyone tells me if you get one of these independent councils, it ruins your presidency. It takes years and years, and I won't be able to do anything. This is the worst thing that ever happened to me. And it was. It is. And again, they go through this. They, they, and even in the report, they only report that little bit about what he said about special counsels. So again, I don't see the obstruction of justice there. Okay? Uh, I'm reading some of these analysis here. In, an, in analyzing the president's efforts to have uh, Lewandowski deliver a message directing Sessions to publicly announce that the special counsel investigation would be confined to future election interferences, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. Uh, obstructive act. The, the president's effort to send Sessions a message through uh, Lewandowski would qualify as an obstructive act if it would naturally obstruct the investigation and any grand jury proceedings that might flow from the inquiry. If, if it would. If it would. The, the president sought to have Sessions announce that the president shouldn't have a special prosecutor counsel and that Sessions was going to meet with the special prosecutor to explain this is very unfair and let the special counselor move forward with investigating elections meddling for future elections so that nothing can happen in future elections. Again, <laughs> no collusion. You can intend to do something and not carry it out. Is that obstruction of justice? And his concerns over special counsel are founded. There is no law saying they, that they have to appoint a special counsel. Analysis. In analyzing the president's actions regarding the disclosure of information about the June 9th meeting, the following evidence is relevant to the elements of obstruction of justice. Obstructive act. On at least three occasions between June 29th and July 9, 2017, the president directed Hicks and others not to publicly disclose information about the June 9th uh, 2016 meeting between senior campaign officials and a Russian attorney. That turned out, if you remember, that attorney met with one of his sons, one of Trump's sons, I think it was um, Eric, I think it was, I could be wrong, under false pretenses. Under false pretenses. And that, that came out, that was thoroughly investigated by some good um, non-lamestream media folks out there. Okay. Uh, Kushner. It wasn't Eric. Uh, it was Kushner. And again, there was nothing there. Way back when. Analysis. In analyzing the president's efforts to have Sessions uh, re unrecuse himself and regain control of the Russian investigation, the following considerations and evidence are relevant to the elements of obstruction. Obstructive acts. To determine if the president's efforts to have Attorney General un unrecuse himself qualify as now read that to determine if it qualifies as an obstructive act, it would be necessary to assess evidence on whether those actions would naturally impede the Russian investigation. That inquiry would take into account the supervisory role of the Attorney General, if unrecused, would play into the Russian investigation. Uh, it would also have to take into account that the Attorney General's recusal covered other campaign-related Matters. The inquiry would not run 
on what Attorney General Sessions would actually do if unrecused, but on whether the efforts to reverse his recusal would naturally have uh, had the effect of impeding the Russian investigation. Now, I'm going to stop the reading there. President Trump was mad because Jeff Sessions recused himself of the investigation and didn't tell President Trump ahead of time when he appointed him as Attorney General that this might happen. Because we knew about this before the appointment of Jeff Sessions, that he met with uh, Sergey. And it wasn't a meeting. He was at a dinner that he was at. That was it. Everybody around her said it wasn't a meeting. He was just at a dinner with Sergey. Did he, did he talk to him? Probably. But as far as, we, as far as we know, nothing happened there. It wasn't a meeting to, you know, for, to collude with the Russians. But Jeff Sessions recused himself. Jeff Sessions should have told President Trump, should have told President Trump that he might have to recuse himself because of that dinner with Sergey. And if President Trump would have had that information, he'd have probably picked somebody else. Oh, I know he would have picked somebody else because he was mad that Jeff Sessions did that to him. And honestly, Jeff Sessions was one of these, I don't think he was a never-Trumper, but he was sympathetic to their cause. Jeff Sessions was th sympathetic to the never-Trumper's causes. Okay? So for President Trump, not to have all the information in hand when he picked Jeff Sessions for his attorney general that he might recuse himself, I think that's a, a, a very big blow to his the appointment process and, and what he might have done differently to, to President Trump. And so as president, now he has every right, he every right to go into Jeff Sessions and say, hey, you lied to me. And an omission is the same thing as a lie, folks. You lied to me. And I expected you to be doing the Attorney General's job no matter what was going to happen. But you recused yourself, and I, I, want to, I want to see if you unrecuse yourself, which you didn't. But did that have an effect on the investigation? I, I, I don't see it. All right, let's keep going here. It, it, this whole thing is just riddled. Riddled. Uh, intent. There is evidence that at least one at least one purpose of the president's conduct towards Sessions was to have Sessions assume control over the Russian investigation and supervise it in a way that would restrict its scope. As it was. And I'm I'm gonna leave it here. I didn't even get up to the part where uh, talking about all the collusion on pages, uh, PDF pages 227 and 235, where they used a lot of the reports from the uh, uh, news media, the lamestream media. Rob Rosenstein was one of them that was colluding with, um, was it Stokes? FBI agent was colluding with him to... Try to, you know, he had memos saying, you know, we need to try to get rid of President Trump. Uh, invoked the 25th Amendment about his mental stability. He was going to talk to the the uh, uh, cabinet members to see if they could go that way. Uh, and it just went on and on and on. I mean, Rob Rosenstein should have recused himself from the investigation with just because of his relationship with some of the folks. And it came out. It's It's been out. 
with some of these FBI agents that didn't want Trump to be president and were working towards that goal. I mean, come on. There, there was no control, honestly, there was no control over the Mueller investigation to keep it on task. There just wasn't. And honestly, and this is my own opinion here, I'm going to throw it out there, I think one of the reasons why he can, uh, Mueller concluded it when he did was because uh, A.G. Barr said that he was going to be in charge. He was not going to recuse himself from being over the special counsel. And it seems to me everything sort of wrapped up real quick after his, in his, test, his uh, confirmation hearings that he wasn't going to recuse himself. And Sessions should have never recused himself either. And if he was going to, he should have told President Trump ahead of time. And President Trump could have went a different way. Could have had, maybe would have had Barr this whole time. And maybe the investigation would have been wrapped up years ago. You know, maybe it had only been a six to six month to a year investigation. And Barr would have kept it on, on scope. And it wouldn't have went after all these uh, procedural indictments that went on. Well, folks, I hopefully you enjoyed it. I know it was a little long there. I'm, I'm giving a lot of my opinion. Like I said, I'm not a lawyer, but, you know, and I didn't stay in a Holiday Express last night. But to me, if you read down through there and keep your mind open and actually define your words like intent, you know, like I said, you can intent, intent to do something, but if you don't carry through with it, how can it be obstruction of justice? You know, and even if the even if the law says that intent is obstruction of justice, I think that law needs to be challenged. It's called civil disobedience, folks. Well, that's the end of the the podcast today, folks. Remember, this is podcast nine eighty seven. If you want to go back and and listen to this, hopefully you found this uh, uh, probably wasn't too entertaining but informative. Uh, again, these are my opinions; they don't reflect anybody else's opinion but my own. And hopefully there, I reason things out with you a little bit on that. I don't, I've been accused of not reasoning things out completely through with everybody. But folks, I give people who listen to my podcast or listen to my videos a little bit of credit that they can reason things out through just like I have. Uh, so I don't get into the nuts and bolts of everything on that. So again, hopefully you've enjoyed this. Uh, and I'm going to try to keep this up a couple times a week now. I, I, don't, I can't promise you that with my fibromyalgia, but I felt real good today, so I did it. So hopefully I'll get a video out over the weekend. And uh, if you guys celebrate Easter, have a happy Easter. Uh, if you don't celebrate Easter like my family doesn't really celebrate Easter, hopefully you're at the Church of God's Choice on Sunday to worship God and uh, uh, lift Him up in, in praise and prayer. And folks, I just uh, ask you to have patience with this whole thing as it's going through this special counsel report. Again, I'm going to go over the Vox, uh, the Vox article in a video uh, to get it out there as sort of as a rebuttal to the Mike Figueroa Humanist Report video. Uh, he, the guy, irks me because he takes things lock, stock, and barrel as a gospel when it really isn't. So, again, remember, if you aim at nothing. You'll hit it each and every time. God bless, and hopefully see you on the next episode.